Hello, everybody. My name's Tim Perko, and you're listening to I Believe. Now what? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Oh, I miss talking to y'all so much. All right, so I want to give y'all a little explanation why we took like a one-month break here at I Believe Now What. And I say we, and by we, I mean I, because I'm pretty much the only one here doing this. But anyways, I wanted to talk about why I went on a break. Really, uh, I, I, I've had a little bit more extra time with work and everything and this whole coronavirus stuff going on that I've been able to record more. But for some reason, I just, uh, something inside of me was telling me, you know, chill out, take a break. Uh, don't look at this like it's a job. And honestly, I really do believe that was probably the Holy Spirit at work just kind of talking to me and get telling me, you know, nudging me in this direction of, hey, take a break. And it was ultimately a very good thing. This is why I believe it's the Holy Spirit, because it kind of showed me that, hey, I just need to focus on the word, focus on what's actually important and what's important about this podcast. And that is going through the word of God. Now, I know the last few episodes that we did were episodes that were based off of, you know, Calvinism and Arminianism. We started talking about the five points of Calvinism, then we were supposed to go into Arminianism. But honestly, during this time of just meditating on the Word of God and reflecting, I thought about why I started this podcast off to begin with. And it wasn't to talk about controversial doctrines and all this stuff. And I do want to hit those topics up, but not solely make episodes based on those doctrines. And while I don't believe that those episodes are bad by any means, it just wasn't what I was wanting to do with this podcast. And it kind of turned into that. And I noticed over time that the Bible studies started becoming less and less. So I had a goal in mind when I first started this, and that was to pretty much break down the Bible verse by verse and go over these different topics. And as these topics arose through these verses, then we can talk about these different doctrines that are based off of it. But really, I just wanted to speak the word of God that is written in the Bible and then put it out there talk about it, and then ultimately encourage you all to go out there and read these topics and gain an understanding for yourself on what the Holy Spirit is telling you through these verses. That was ultimately why I started this podcast, and I want to get back to that. And on that note, uh, before we do get into the Bible study, I want to go over a couple different uh, news topics, uh, just stuff going on with the channel. So if you didn't know already, we have a Facebook page. We got a Twitter page, and we have a YouTube page. The YouTube page, I haven't really done too much to it yet. I'm still trying to debate on what I'm going to do to tackle that. I've got a couple videos uploaded there, mostly just clips from the show. But I do want to use that in a way to glorify God more. So if you have any ideas or anything like that on what you would like to see, you know, drop it in the Twitter, drop it in the Facebook. Uh, it's I Believe Now What on Twitter. And the same thing for Facebook. It should be the first one or maybe the only one that pops up. I'm not really too sure. But if you just type that in, you should find it. It's got the same uh, picture there on the profile as I have for this podcast episode, if you're able to look at that. So other news that also happened. I recently had a chance to get interviewed by a man named Nathan Harmon. Now, I personally never knew him from before. Uh, my cousin, my cousin Kimberly Hobbs, she is a very awesome person, a very good Christian. 
She is also the leader of Women's World Leaders, and she has a few books that she's written and a third one coming on the way. Uh, her latest one was Tears to Triumph. It, it was a book of testimonies. And man, even if you were not a woman uh, and you're a guy reading it, I think there's something to be said about people sharing their testimonies and some of the most intimate details of their life and their past lives uh, and the sin that they've committed and then the joy, the ultimate joy that they got when they found out about Christ and his amazing, amazing grace. Uh, so I do highly encourage you to go check out that book. That's not like a paid promotion or anything. I just really thought it was an excellent book of testimonies. And me, I'm a fan of testimonies. I think testimony is our story on Christianity is the best way to get the gospel out there because that is personal to us. And I don't think there's any better way to articulate it. Uh, than the words of your mouth, the person it actually happened to. I think testimony is one of the greatest evangelism tools God has given us. So use that testimony, get it out there, and read other people's testimonies, because at the end of the day, while if you're listening to this and you're saved, by all means, it's just really, really edifying to see God's work in other people's lives. And if you're not saved yet, or if you're on the cusp, or you're wondering about Christianity, man, it is... uh, I really hope that you'll see the Holy Spirit working through those different testimonies. Uh, But anyways, digressing back to what I was originally saying, that I was interviewed by a man named Nathan Harmon, who my cousin introduced me to. Uh, He is a motivational speaker. He goes to high schools and speaks on motivation. He has a very, very awesome story, a very sad story, but awesome in the fact that how he turned his life around. He runs a organization called Your Life Speaks. If you've never heard of it before, I highly implore you to go check it out. He's got YouTubes, he's got an Instagram account, all that stuff. And I really highly encourage you to go check it out, Your Life Speaks. But anyways, I did an interview with him on IG Live that should get uploaded to podcast here. I'm just waiting for the proper permissions back to get that uploaded because you don't want to just upload something that nobody ever gave you permission for. And this dude's pretty legit. I mean, he's got like 100,000 IG followers or close to it. So he's pretty popular. I don't want to um, do anything that's wrong. I'm sure he'll have absolutely no problem with that episode getting uploaded. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's going to use it for his own episode as well on his podcast. He runs a podcast. I don't have the name. Yeah, I don't have the name of it right now. But if you just type in like Your Life Speaks or Nathan Harmon in the podcast area, it'll come up. Anyways, digressing back away from everything I just talked about and all the news and updates. I'm going to start doing that from now on, kind of give updates on what's going on in my life, what's going on and how God's been working. Um, And ultimately, that's really, you know, another beautiful part of testimonies. How is God working in your life now? Because testimony kind of never really ends. God is working in my life so amazing through the blessing of being able to do this podcast. And then just these random things, you know, I got that interview set up. My pastor asked me to preach the last Wednesday in a joint sermon with him. Uh, I'm going to be doing the same thing again this Wednesday night. So, hey, God is working. God is moving. Thank you all so much for anybody who's been out there praying for me about this. I really do feel a strong call to ministry. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. But anyways, let's go ahead and pick up in our study. So as if you remember way, way, way back, we were studying the book of Romans, and we left off at the very end of Romans chapter 4. So now we are going to start on Romans chapter 5. And I was actually really excited 
to do this one. And I think it's a proper way to get back into it because Romans 5, especially the first part that we're going to be going over, verses 1 through 11, are some of the most beautiful words written in the entire New Testament, in my opinion. Obviously, all of it is beautiful and all of it is amazing, but just the way it reads, when the the Holy Spirit was just working through Paul as Paul was writing this out, it, it just comes off so, so amazing. So if you don't know where we left off at in Romans chapter 4, Paul was just previously wrapping up his case on how we are saved by faith alone, not by works or anything like that, but we are saved by faith alone. Now he's going to start talking about the reality of that faith and what to expect. And just like I said before, he gives a beautiful explanation of the gospel in this section. And we'll just go ahead and read Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. If you got your Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you're listening on the road, then just wait until afterwards. And once again, I always highly encourage people, just don't take my word for it on these words. Read this uh, on your own. Read it in whatever translation that you'd like. Stay away from the Passion Translation, because that translation is garbage. Uh, (laughs) But besides that, and there's probably other ones out there, be smart, by the way, on Bible translations. If you've never really studied which translations are good and reliable, this is a side note. I know I'm rabbit-holing, but study the different translations. Make sure that you are reading a translation that is correct. The only reason I knew the Passion Translation was garbage is because I had someone approached me about it one time, so I went and looked it up and read the story behind it. Oh, man, it's kind of creepy, the the whole way that that translation was written. And sadly, I, I do know a lot of people that like to read that. And, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking when you tell them that, hey, this, this translation is uh, very unbiblical and written in a very unbiblical way. And, man, all right, well, we'll just leave it at there so that way... We don't start rabbit-holing, but I am personally going to be reading from the ESV. That's the English Standard Version. In my, I've done my research on that, and it is a very trusted version, in my opinion. I mean, we could do a whole episode on uh, which Bible to use, but hey, like I said, we're going to go ahead and just dig into the Word. So I'm reading out of the ESV. You read out of the one of your choice that I hopefully you have done some research and background on and know that it is a good translation and not something twisted or perverted. Anyways, Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. Uh, Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through Oh my gosh, do you hear my tongue just getting twisted up like crazy right now? All right, Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 and I hope I I pray that I read this as beautiful as it sounds in my head because this section right here is just Oh man, it is straight beauty. Let's go ahead and read. Verse 1 talks starts like this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into the hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps 
for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. That is the passage that we are going to be going over. Oh, it is so beautiful and enriching to read those words, and I I really pray that I did it justice reading that, and uh, I pray that I do it justice as we talk about this. Let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us your word and these beautiful sections that we're going to be going through today, Lord, and I pray that your word just gets glorified, and I pray that I am doing right by your name, Lord, Uh, and we know it's not us, Lord. It's all the Holy Spirit working through us, and I pray the Holy Spirit just grabs hold of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's go ahead and start it off with verse 1. As as you remember from the overall thing that I kind of went over, remember, this is Paul's uh, reality of faith. We just got done talking about how we're not saved by works, but we are saved by faith alone, and now he's talking about the reality of that faith and what to expect about it, and then gives the beautiful explanation of the gospel like we just heard. All right, so verse 1 picks up and says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the word justified that Paul is actually using, if you check it out in the Greek, it's actually talking about a one-time legal declaration with continuing results. That's kind of the I mean, that's kind of my translation of it, but if you don't have yourself a concordance, a concordance is where you can look up the original text, the original Greek texts in the Bible, uh, and what those Greek words were, uh, that is a very awesome tool. Strong's Concordance is a great, reliable one. That is a free app you can download on your phone. It's got some ads, but nevertheless, a very good resource, If or if you're old school and you got the big, giant, huge concordance, lug that thing around and open it up and just check it out. So Justified is talking about a one-time legal declaration with continuing results. It's not an ongoing process in which you work to earn. It's saying that we are justified. And when, when exactly do we get justified? Well, we get justified at the moment that God changes our heart. The moment that the Holy Spirit entered us and God changed our heart, we were justified. So justification is meaning that you you are now innocent of all those sins that you have committed, past, present, future, because Christ took those sins and died for them on the cross. You have now accepted that, and you are now one in Christ. You are justified, all right? And I don't think we've talked about it before, but the next step after justification is sanctification. That's the life we're living right now. We are being sanctified. We are growing in Christ. And Paul is actually kind of talking about this as we continue on through these verses. And of course, the last step is glorification. Glorification is once we finally die and we go up to heaven and we'll have a body unlike Christ, it says, or just 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 like Christ, we will be glorified. We will be free from sin. We will be free from those bondages. 
Uh, it's really beautiful. So justification followed by sanctification, then into glorification. But that's what justification is talking about in verse 1. As we move into verse 2, we see here, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We as Christians, we now have a direct line to God. That's what I see Paul talking about here. And it's, it, it's, this is unthinkable to the Old Testament Jews. They, they, you know, you had to go to the priest. The priest had to make the sacrifice. He was the only one allowed inside the Holy of Holies to go ahead and give out, uh, or, or, you know, a, the temporary sacrifice that was given to cover for the sins of Israel. But no longer do we need any of that. That was the whole purpose behind the veil being ripped from the top to the bottom uh, after the death of Christ, after all those different miracles happened, the earthquake, the ripping of the veil, the stones open, the people walking out of their graves, you know, all these amazing things happened. The veil was part of that. That was symbolizing that no longer is Christ in just in that one place, as God is in that one place. He's now, we have a direct line of access to him. He was set free by that. I mean, that kind of sounds weird to say because it's not like God isn't free anyways. The only thing God's bound by is his own righteousness. <laughs> but anyways, no longer did we have to do that and go to the priest and have the priest make a sacrifice uh, for us. We have a direct line to God through Christ. I feel like I've said it a hundred times. I still can't state it enough because there are still people out there that are practicing a faith by works belief. You know, um, I'm sorry out there for our Catholic brothers and sisters, but I'm sorry. There is no reason for you to confess your sins to a priest. Nowhere is that written in the Bible, and nowhere is that written anywhere in the gospel. Thief on the cross, never once made confession, um, at least not confession to a priest. He confessed pretty much to Jesus himself, which is awesome, but that's essentially what we're doing when we're praying. We're confessing to Jesus. We're confessing to God through Christ that we are sinners, uh, and that's what the thief on the cross did. He didn't have to go to a priest or anything like that, and that's why I reject any gospel that adds works to your salvation or any gospel that tries to put a fine line between you and God. That fine line is gone. That veil was ripped. We now have direct access to God through the Son. That was the big significance of that. Uh, as we continue on, we look at verses 3 through 4, uh, because 3 through 4, kind of you can kind of wrap that up together, and it reads like this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. I accidentally read through verse 5, but it just kind of flows so well together. And this is the sanctification that I was talking about earlier. This is what Paul's talking about. He's saying right here that that just be, that because we are Christians, we are going to suffer. We are going to suffer on this earth. I mean, it, it's, you know, we're different than everybody else. We are going to suffer. We are going to be put through trials. We are going to be faced with temptations. The world is against us, but remember, we have God on our side. If God is for us, then who can stand against us? Just like the psalm in the Bible verse says. <laughs> but that, that is a reality. We are going to be put through trials, temptations, and suffering. 
But what Paul is saying here is during the sanctification process of going through all that, it's going to produce endurance inside of us. We are going to, when we reject those temptations, when we fight them off, when we pass those trials, it is going to produce endurance for us. It's just like training up your muscles. There's a verse on that. I have this guy at my church. His name is Joe. Um, and he has this sign. He has a wood shop on his farm, and he has this sign that goes up and says, there's a verse for that. And it's true. There really is a verse for everything. Uh, but anyways, I digress. Um, picking it back up on verse four. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So once again, sanctification. The suffering that we go through will train our bodies up. We will be trained It'll train our spirit up. We'll produce endurance and able to fight those temptations. And fighting those temptations will produce character inside of us. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The hope that we have in Christ is the faith that God will keep his promise to us, that we will live with him forever eternally and be praising him for all of eternity. You know, that Christ died on the cross and then he rose on that third day. We have faith in that. We have faith that because of that, we will also be resurrected and live again eternally with God and with Christ. That is some beautiful stuff right there. I hope I'm painting a good picture of it for y'all. If not, like I said, read it yourself, please. And just these words, wow. All right, so we go on to verse 6, and uh, well, actually, let's back up a little bit. Let's keep on verse 5 here, because it says, For God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So what we see here is that this is all kind of a thing that happens at the same time. You know, when we become justified, it's like at this very same time, that moment, we receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is enabling us to go through those sufferings and come out on top in the end, hopefully, and produces endurance inside of us and produces that character and then produces that hope. That's not us. That's the Holy Spirit working through us. It's all through from God's love through the filter of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the Holy Spirit is what is given to us. That's what enables us to do the stuff that we do. There's no other logical explanation why us as Christians reject all these worldly things. I mean, because let's face it, I think everybody can remember at a point where they were not a Christian, and they looked at things of the world and thought, hey, this is cool. Hey, this type of music is cool. Hey, having sex with different people is kind of fun. Hey, doing these drugs or drinking like this or going out and partying, whatever. And it sounds like I'm being kind of graphic here, but that's the reality. When we were sinners, those things were fun to us. It's, it still might be fun to some of you out there now, but that's okay. Well, no, it's not okay, but that's something that we work through as in this sanctification path, as God is building us up, he's doing a work in us, and he's building us up. He's producing character, and that's what the Holy Spirit is doing through us. We move on to verse 6, and it says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And that right there is just another one of the gospel. He's saying, we couldn't do it ourselves. We were too weak. We couldn't save ourselves. We didn't deserve to be saved, but yet Christ died for us. The righteous one, the one who never sinned, Christ died for us. 
And then Paul, just to emphasize it even more in verses 7, says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. He's saying, Almost never will you see someone die for a righteous person. And then maybe you you might see somebody die for a good person. Maybe, maybe, you know, uh, but God shows his love for us in that. He's saying that's how God showed us his love. He gave his son, his only son. I don't think we really will ever understand the magnitude of that. That is nuts. Uh, for any of you who are parents out there, what would your first thought be if you knew that you can save the entire human race, but you had to sacrifice your son to do so, or your daughter, your kid, your only child, um, that you had to do that? Man, I would venture to say a vast majority of us would probably say no. I had a friend, uh, Jonathan Lunsford. Uh, he runs Under the Cloud Ministries podcast, a little plug-in for him there. He told me uh, this beautiful little story about how he really didn't understand John 3.16. Uh, if you don't know John 3.16, it's probably one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, who shall ever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, but anyways, he said he really didn't feel the gravity of that verse until his first kid was born, his daughter was born, and he held her in her hands, in his hands. And he said he would, the first thing he thought of was he, he started crying. And the thought of God having to sacrifice his son, and John 3.16 was one of the first things that popped in his head. I, you know, he, he kind of felt a glimpse of the magnitude of what God did for us. I don't think that can be overstated enough. We could probably, at the best, only get a glimpse of it. Continuing on, we see in verse 8, But God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he takes it up even another level. He points out the fact that we were still sinners, Christ died for us anyways. That's like the equivalent of you giving up your only kid to die for the sake of uh, somebody who murdered the rest of your entire family and all that was spared was your one daughter. But to save that person from death, you gave up your kid's life. You're like, here, take my kid's life so that this man could live. That is roughly the closest thing that I can think of in my brain, at least to that. That is like, that is mind blowing. I, I can't, uh, I can't even really picture it in my head too much. While we know we're commanded not to hate people, but if somebody murdered, like was just a vicious murderer and was murdering a whole bunch of other people, murdered your whole family except for your one kid, and then you give up your kid to save that man's life, I mean, it's almost unthinkable. Uh, you know, but that's the closest thing that I can think of for what God did with us. We were sinners. We were enemies of God, the Bible says. We were enemies of God because of our sin. We were constantly sinning against God. I, I almost like it to if you were married to a wife or if you're married to your husband and they are constantly cheating on you every single night, but at the same time, you are still willing to give them your love and put up with it because you just love them that much. You know, that, man, 
it is nuts when you you can't really put it into human perspective. You really can't. And I know I'm trying to here, but man, it, you can't put this in the human perspective. It's just probably it's just so way outside of our own scope. Uh, that same buddy of mine, old John Lunsford from Under the Cloud Ministries, also said something really fascinating to me just about God in general. And this actually has to do with the topic. You know, he said, he talked about how we think, you know, in three dimensions. Uh, there's that that fourth dimension too. You know, that's debatable, whatever. But, you know, just picture how many dimension God's probably had, God probably has. You know, it's probably unlimitless. What is even a fifth dimension look like or a sixth dimension or a seventh dimension? We can't even think about that. But yet God, who is outside of all creation, looking in, outside of time and space, and he's looking in. I can't, I can't even wrap my head around that. Uh, it's just kind of nuts. Uh, and that's why I, I, I try to think of these things, but it's just outside of our gravity to think about what it was for Christ to give up his son for people who, was, who were his enemy. As we move on to verse 9, it says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, there's justification again, by the blood, which is Christ's blood, by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. In other words, the wrath of God, what is he talking about there? God's wrath has to be taken out on sinners. God is bound, I said it in the beginning of the episode, God is bound by his own righteousness. He cannot be around sin. So what did he do to, in order to get us into a place of heaven? Was he gave up the only innocent person to ever walk this earth, which was his son, Jesus Christ, fully God yet fully man, gave him up, and that blood of Christ was the appropriate sacrifice to satisfy the wrath of God. So therefore, we no longer need to take that wrath. Then uh, we don't. We no longer need to take the wrath of God, because Christ took it in our place. And based off of that, I mean, you can get into a whole bunch of different topics. Was, and we'll get to those topics at some point because we're going to cover verses that go over it. We're not going to do it now because then it'll just get us into a whole other huge rabbit hole. But ultimately, just know that. We are saved from the wrath of God because God already took out the wrath that we deserved on Christ. God punished Christ in our place. Then verse 10 goes on to read, For if while we were enemies, here he's just reemphasizing again, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And he's just reiterating the same point we are going over. We are saved because of Christ. And man, we did not deserve it. But yet he did it for us anyways. Because that's love. That is God's love, the greatest love that there is, period. Verse 11 goes on to say, More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Through Christ, we are reconciled unto God, and we are God's people again, because God has accepted Christ's sacrifice. That is why the resurrection is so important to Christians like us, and that is also why the resurrection is more probably the number one topic that atheists attack first, because if you understand at least the basics of Christianity, everything hangs on the resurrection of Christ. Without the resurrection of Christ, then there is no 
hope in us being saved, because that means that Christ's sacrifice was not accepted by the Father as being enough to save us. But we all know the truth. The truth is that Christ did get resurrected. And it wasn't some zombie resurrection, you know. It was an actual, real resurrection. Christ had a spiritual body, uh, physical in a sense. I don't even know how to explain it properly. But it's a real resurrection. And because Christ was resurrected, that also shows that we will be resurrected. I mean, and it's not just going to be believers who get resurrected. It's going to be unbelievers too. I mean, we'll get into that whenever we start talking about Revelation. But if you want to go ahead and look ahead, Revelation chapter 20 talks about two different types of resurrections. Just make sure that uh, you're not the second one that they talk about, because that's the resurrection where you get judged and thrown in the lake of fire. That's not the one you want to be in. But everyone will be resurrected at some point. Anyways, digressing once again. Well, that's actually about it because we hit the end of verse 11. And this podcast was actually running pretty long anyways to begin with. But this so much richness in these verses. Overall, if you had to take something from this and apply this to your everyday life, I would honestly say that, I mean, you could take so much from this. I mean, you got the gospel message and you got talking about justification and sanctification and glorification and all this stuff and reconciliation. But at the end of the day, what I see when I look at this section of verses in Romans chapter 5 is I see that, yes, times may be tough. And yes, it seems like we are going to suffer and it seems like Things aren't going the way that we think they should go, but that doesn't mean that God isn't there. God is there, and through those trials, he is producing in us a wonderful, wonderful work. James chapter 1 verse 3 talks about this, if you want to go look it up on your own time, talking about the trials of your life, uh, that these trials, Paul says it perfectly though, these trials, these um, sufferings that we are going to be going through, it gives us uh, hope. It gives us character. And all that because of the Holy Spirit. All right, y'all. Let's go ahead and exit out on a word of prayer. I know I just kind of mumbled and stuttered along through this, but this was something that I am super, super passionate about. And I swear I have a bunch of notes right here that I was supposed to base everything off of. But man, I just kind of felt moved to just go straight off of it like that. Hey, um, let's go ahead and close on a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, and I pray that this message just reaches out to people, Lord. I pray this message is being worked through by the Holy Spirit, and it's just there as a tool for whenever you want to use it, Father. Everything in your will, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks, y'all. Remember, uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, my personal Instagram is, <laughs> you're going to laugh at me, at Timmy in full effect. That's T-I-M-M-Y-I-N. F-U-L-L-E-F-F-E-C-T. All right. Hopefully I got my spelling right. But yeah, at Timmy in full effect. That is a long story on why I have that handle. That was something I created in like the eighth grade back in like 1999 or 2000 or something like that whenever I was in the eighth grade. Anyways, digressing. Y'all have a wonderful one. Thank you for listening to I Believe Now What. Reach out. Talk to us. Love y'all. I will talk to y'all later. Bye.